And if they're at all happy where they are and what they've become, from selling out to doubling down, let's talk punk rock business and what happens when the two get all mixed up. Here's your host, Bill Florio. Hey, this is Bill Florio. Yo, this is MC Charlie Boswell. Hey, it's Dave Harrison. Today we got Kenny Lush. Kenny Lush is a green roofer and wrestler. And a bouncer. <laughs> and a bouncer. Doorman bouncer. Most of our guests are punk rockers and they have to get a job to survive. But he was a wrestler first. And then he became a punk rocker, so you know wrestling must really pay bad. <laughs> I loved all the par- hearing all the parallels between indie wrestling and punk rock. I mean, I think it's hard enough to do one of those things, to Charlie's point, I, and, and Kenny does two of those things, still has two other hustles in terms of uh, the, the the green roofing and bouncing and doorman work. I mean, that seems like a lot of stuff on his plate. It sounds like, no matter what, it's, it's a pretty good time, and I'm kind of envious of just just having more than one thing going on. So it, I love the idea of very similar to some of the other people we've talked to, whether it's Pete Manchetti or T T two Carlos makes me think of, of that a little bit. Yeah. But it's also like that idea of like, let me find a job or jobs that allow me to see as much of the world as possible. I think Kenny said that. And that's like, that's such a cool idea that like, it's like you have two potentials for touring, which is pretty awesome. And, and he's, it seems like sometimes he tries to do both on the one trip and it, doesn't work out but <laughs> thanks tony <laughs> yeah, spirit if, airlines if you're listening fest next year needs to really have kenny in both in, that's right and there arenas. needs to be and there needs to be integration we need to see fighting on stage stage Not with the get up kids he fighting on fight stage the kids. <laughs> i'd see that <laughs> all right let's roll the tape so Kenny, we usually start this out where you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do for a living. Hey, my name is uh, Kenny Lush, and for a living, I am a bouncer, a pro wrestler, sometimes a stuntman, and I also <laughs> do green roofs and green walls and make the world nice and green. You just paint them green? No. Yeah. Have you ever seen like the lawns <laughs> that are on roofs? Is that a Canadian thing? No, they're all over the world. They're starting to be pretty big in Canada because, especially the city I'm in in Vancouver, they want to be known as like the greenest city in Vancouver, but they also want to tear down everything. That's not much of a record, the greenest city in Vancouver. Or the greenest city in Canada. 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 Oh, Oh, I get you. So yeah, they want to be the greenest city in Canada, but they also want to like tear down all the parks so they can like put high rises up and sell them off to overseas buyers and then crank the rent up everywhere. And they tell you just go on your roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so wait. Do they do they have seesaws in Vancouver? Like teeter totters, we call them. Teeter. Do they I have those? Kid, the, the cops used to throw us off the roof. What about the teeter totter? 
I mean, not off the roofs, but you know, they come, they'd come and harass you. Charlie thinks he grew up in Serpico, by the way. So, <laughs> no, no, that's 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 Fort Apache of the Bronx. <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking about Jackson Heights. You know, we used to hang out on the roofs, and then the cops used to come and then you know chase you off. You know? Oh, they'd make you leave the roofs. They wouldn't throw you off yes, the roof. Yeah, that's yes, a big yes. difference. So wait, uh, do they have so they have teeter totters, right? So people lose their teeth, and they want people to go up on the roof and. Lose their life. <laughs> we call those seesaws. No, there's, it's not like a park. Uh, it's so there's just there's like, no teeter-totter on the roof. Bill, why do you keep saying teeter-totter instead of seesaw? Because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be sympathetic to Canadians. <laughs> seesaw. Now we call them a seesaw. Do you not call them teeter-totters? Seesaw. Oh, man. I've heard of seesaws, no, but yeah, seesaws. we always call them teeter-totters. <laughs> you see a sign for a playground that eh? has the seesaw <laughs> on it, but they never have a seesaw anymore because they're no. too dangerous. So it's a non-existent playground. It's like yeah, putting it's a park on a roof. Well, it's also, at this point, it's been so long that people don't even know what that is. <laughs> like what a seesaw <laughs> is? Yeah, they, they look yeah. at that caution sign and they look at them like, what is that? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that test, right? That Rorschach test. It is. Don't start talking about the band, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to this, Kenny. So I want to dive into the into the green roofs and green walls. So like I don't know if this is an international thing, but I know I work with some hotels and they are all they all care about being lead certified and like all of that stuff and like being as energy efficient as possible. So is that kind of like is that what you're talking about? Putting like solar panels up there and stuff, or is it actually putting greenery up there? Or both? It's like it's like greenery and it's it's good for uh you know especially because vancouver is such a wet city and everything like it rains for 10 months of the year so as opposed to all just like the rain running off a roof into the sewers and all that stuff you know the the green roof insulates the the you know it's good for heat it's good it keeps things cool in the in the summer and then all the extra rain kind of goes and feeds a garden up there and everything and well, wouldn't yeah, it just be easier to let the mold grow? Oh, you don't want mold. Yeah, I was, was going to ask that. Well, not mold. Green? What about like moss? What about moss? Yeah, well, I'm on the guest list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you just want moss up there. It would look kind of gross along with all like, I don't know. You just look out. What would you rather look out and see? Like lawns on roofs and greenery or just like asphalt and gross stuff and shingles and stuff you know like you can't play scully on green roof uh, <laughs> no but you, you could whack a golf ball oh that's pretty good <laughs> to wear all, though i mean see that's my proof that this freaking <laughs> green stuff is all for the elites <laughs> well that's the thing yeah Scully, well, totally scully's gone <laughs> and golf's in well, that's totally true. I mean, if you look at like, I, I had to go to Singapore on a business trip and they have that everywhere. All the rooftops are like have gardens and, and some are so big that they have like full little like parks on top of the buildings. Yeah. Does it also help with pollution and things like that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's good for the environment and stuff like that. And, you know, as the world gets a little more shittier, you know, it's, it's my way of trying to help the world be kind of nicer, you know? So if you're on a tall building, you can kind of is, are, there, are there buildings where there's enough like foliage that you can pretend you're not in the city anymore? Well, you're usually just surrounded by other tall buildings, so you, yeah, well, you, yeah. But if you're not, really if you're really in like the the luxury high rise, that's what you right? call penthouse. The penthouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done like green walls in the penthouse, so you know the guy walks out on his deck, and the wall is like all plants and everything, and yeah. Does it does does it attract a lot of like? 
birds? Not birds. You get some bees. It depends on the plants and stuff. But yeah, I was up on one today that we did in Vancouver, this big, giant, huge one. And there's bees everywhere. They're all loving the little sedums and the flowers. It was kind of nice. There was a movie called The Green Room. Yeah. Uh, was that what Tommy was? Uh, oh, is that the one? Was with, no, that's no, the room. Green room, is, <laughs> Green room is when that punk band goes and plays with the, with the white power complex. That's not, that's, that's nothing to do with greenery. <laughs> Picard, Picard is a white supremacist. He is. He plays a really good, he's a really good white supremacist. Make that. it so. I got to watch that. Oh, no, it's awesome. They like the band, like, uh, and the, the, the beginning of it was very realistic. It was the touring aspect of it. Yeah, they they yeah, like, get yeah. a show canceled. And, and they like, get to play at a Mexican restaurant that didn't want them there. And people were eating like when they were playing. That sounds very <laughs> aside, familiar. Aside from it was supposed to be a Chinese restaurant, it, it was actually very accurate. <laughs> that sounds like Dagger Mouth 2004. <laughs> that sounds Is that like a movie? Ever- <laughs> That's just bad. Wait, wait, wait. So, so let's, let's go back. How did, how did you get into wrestling? And- how did I get into wrestling? Yeah, like it. Like, are, were you how how old were you when you first got into wrestling, and how old were you when you first actually started wrestling in front oh, of a crowd? Oh man, I I remember wrestling all the way back to like TJ Strongbow. No, that's a little before my time. I was <laughs> that's, like, that's when I remember wrestling. Chief J was sweet, but yeah, it was a little bit before my time. I was more like the Hulkamaniac, like Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania three, kind of around then I started to get into it, like WrestleMania three, WrestleMania four. The last one I saw was WrestleMania one. You saw WrestleMania one? Were you there, Charlie? No, I saw it on closed circuit in Albany. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when they used to, that's how, that's how, that's kind of how I got into it. my My dad would take me to the stadium here and they would just have big screens set up and before pay-per-view and i remember being very upset during wrestlemania 5 because hulk hogan and macho man were both my two favorites and they were they were wrestling each other and really bummed me out my favorite was rowdy rowdy piper dude he he rules he's actually i was lucky enough i got to do uh a couple shows working with him he was like the promoter out in oregon and that dude that dude was the nicest dude yeah, I, was, I almost got to meet him. Um, we, we were about to book him on the Chris Gethard show right before he died. Oh, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of a letdown. But uh, we, we got uh, Tito Santana on. Once. Oh, that's that, not that, bad. That, that, that's, that's a letdown. <laughs> that's definitely like the replacement is not as good. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he listened to Jersey. It was easy. At least it wasn't Carlos Santana. Yeah. Or- <laughs> That's like if they did that Green Moon movie with uh, Captain Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> or William Shatner now. Oh, William Shatner, that would have been a classic. <laughs> it wouldn't have been low budget then. Okay, so uh, how did you get into wrestling like wrestling? How do you, how do you get into that? Yeah, how I wanted to do it. Like, I mean, I know you're a fan. I mean, everyone... Everyone's a fan, you know. I, I think most most guys, you know, I, I go through that 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 wrestling phase. Some people keep it longer than others. Some people stay fans. But how do you actually transition from that to something that you actually can do to to somewhat pay the bills and not get hurt where you're retired instantly? Yeah. Uh, well, in uh, so in the nineties. There was like the whole Attitude Era stuff with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mankind and Mick, Fo- you know, Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels stuff, and I, I, I kind of fell out of wrestling I don't like for any a little of those bit. Pretty boys. Mick Foley's a pretty boy. Yeah, <laughs> missing his fucking ear. <laughs> Keep going, Kenny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. 
I got into it, like I got back into it in high school during the attitude era. And I was always a bit of a class clown and, you know, and I don't know if they do this in your high schools down there, but up here they, you have a course called like career and personal planning. And when you're 16 or 17, you're supposed to like, know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Right. And I was a bit of a class clown. And when the teacher came around to me, it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was, I was just like, oh, I want to be a wrestler. Like a, like a WWF wrestler and, you know, a few people laughed and everything. And then, you know, the teacher is just like, well, someone had like, figure out if you can figure out how those people become wrestlers, I'll, I'll pass you. So I was like, oh shit. So I, so, I found so it was a school was, project. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially a school <laughs> project. So I, I kind of discovered that there was a, uh, a local school or some, you know, there's independent companies in Vancouver. So I started kind of discovering them and then there's there was two or three companies in vancouver or schools and so you start phoning them you know i'm in grade 12 at this point and i'm saving my money i'm going to move to the big city and become a wrestler and uh so i called one guy named diamond timothy flowers and he did some like jobber work on you know on WWF back in the day. And he was in stampede wrestling back in the day and stuff like that. And I called him and he, uh, he basically told me like, yep, you give me $5,000. And in two months you're in the WWF mark, my word. And I was like, (laughs) even I could see through this bullshit story. So then I, uh, next guy I called was a guy called gorgeous Michelle star who in WrestleMania one is WrestleMania one, the one with, uh, the fucking cage match between Hulk Hogan, King Bundy, no, King Kong Bundy. No, no that's two, I, right? I think there was a King, King Kong Bundy was in it, but one was with uh, Mr. T. Yeah, one was T. I think it was, yeah, maybe, maybe WrestleMania 2. King Kong Bundy was but, part of it, though, definitely. Yeah. I don't think it was the main event. You could see gorgeous Michelle Starr setting up the cage. So, like, I was like, oh, man, this guy might have a little bit more pull, you know? And uh, he he was running a big company down here at the time called ECCW. And uh, so I contacted him. But he... I he was like out in the suburbs and really hard to get to. And then I found out just as I was looking around, I went into a health and nutrition shop and there was a guy like big Jack dude behind the counter. And, uh, his name's Paul Lazenby. And he was, he's actually done a bunch of like stunt work in the, in the movies. Now he's a stunt man. And, uh, him and another guy called the rocket randy tyler were starting a school called the russellplex and you know so i go into this nutrition shop and start talking to this big jack dude about how i want to be a wrestler and next thing you know he pulls out this pamphlet and he's like there you go class our first class starts in two weeks and i was like oh shit he's like how much how much give me (laughs) how much yeah (laughs) 2500 bucks so (laughs) i i i slapped down to 2500 bucks you know, because he was like, oh, well, if you don't pay, you don't get into class later <laughs> on. Later on, I found out I was the only sucker that actually paid the full price. Everyone else, like, you know, dropped out. Yeah, dropped out halfway through and only paid 500 and shit like that. But yeah, so that was uh, that was the start of my wrestling career. I was mostly trained by the Rocket Randy Tyler guy. And uh, yeah, I trained up. And after three months of training, he started taking me down to portland oregon and i started wrestling down there and that's kind of where i met roddy piper this sounds like another movie i saw what movie? was it called the wrestler because no, the ending is probably kind of like my Peanut life butter falcon oh yeah that movie fucking rules i watched it on that. a plane the uh <laughs> right before covid 
So you relate to the main character in that, I suppose. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Yeah, the saltwater Taft, saltwater redneck or whatever. That that was kind of like the guy that trained me a little bit. No, I'm talking about the guy that wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he's cute little kid. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was relatable. Charlie, did, did, did you have the to... peanut butter solution, which is that movie where that kid goes into the house and loses all his hair and then he puts <laughs> peanut butter on it? <laughs> Yeah, I that one. <laughs> I got to see that one, it's too. It's a classic. It scared the shit out of me as a kid. I, <laughs> I don't like you're... peanut butter, so that's scaring me if they put that on my head. If you're, if you're allergic, you... it could be really dangerous. <laughs> so, Kenny, this totally could have been a, an absolute scam. I mean, like, it sounds like all of those, like, Barbizon modeling school things in the back of magazines where, like, you just give someone money and they, like, are like, yeah, we'll take some pictures of you. We'll get you famous. It sounds more like the guy they get the sand kicked on on the beach. Oh, yeah, like the, um, um, Somewhere like in Charles between. Atlas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how yeah, do you, no, it, it how do you figure that a, out? Like, we just did you just t- like, take a chance? Like, could you have totally been like ripped off? And you were like, "Listen, luckily it worked out." You could have yeah. been a sea monkey. I I could have been a Playing fucking cards. sea monkey. Playing cards. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it. Yeah, lucked out. I'm. You know, after being like, I've heard some horror stories about people training and giving them their money. And I have a buddy of mine who joined up the, he went to learn to wrestle from the, the heart school of wrestling. So when you, you know, when you give your foundation, well, yeah, you think it's Bret Hart or Owen Hart. Little do you think it's like their second cousin selling, (laughs) selling off the name to random people to start wrestling school. So that's what he did. He showed up at the heart school of wrestling and there wasn't a heart brother to be found, but it's like my Baldwin school of acting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You mean it's, it's the bowling alley. Yeah. (laughs) But it all sounds a little bit like the Baldwin school. If you don't got Alec, you're kind of happy, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, no, he's, I mean, he's been the most successful. I mean, he could just give you that. Uh, yeah, but you know, you wouldn't want to have to deal with him. Like you're paying money and have to listen to him all day. You'd be like, oh, thank God it's one of the loser brothers. I'd want one <laughs> class where he did like the Glen Gary, Glenn Ross uh, uh, monologue. And after that, I'd be done. But I have a question about the, the nutrition store. Did you also have to buy like a case of <laughs> protein powder and resell it? No, but I, I did buy protein, but I didn't have to like. <laughs> okay. You didn't have to buy it exclusively it. or anything? It, it wasn't like a pyramid company okay. or anything. Just checking. No. Yeah. So you, only got, you only got a little bit of. Although, you know. although Michelle Starr, who ran ECCW, who's still promoting shows out here, a couple of years ago was doing this thing called Body by Vi or Body by V or something like that. And it was one of those multi-level marketing things. And That's the right you, term. And you could damn well bet whoever sold the most product was the fucking champ that month. <laughs> That's like the band that always gets the good opening slots, you know? And it was like, how did they do that? Yeah. Oh, they sold tickets to their family exactly, members. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You sell all the tickets and then for some reason it sold out, but no one's there. <laughs> <laughs> so is there is there a similarity between like the CD underbelly of wrestling and the CD underbelly of like of like punk rock like club level punk bands like weekday punk rock shows? Yeah, oh for sure. Like the the similarities between being a, like an indie wrestler and being in a like a fucking punk or hardcore band is they're really similar for sure. So what's like the what's the what's the version of like forgetting your amp and having to like sing through a bass amp? Is that like you have to borrow someone else's chair or spandex? <laughs> or, or, yeah, or spandex. Yeah. Uh, so this one this one time I uh, 
this promoter out in Alberta booked me and a couple other guys. So we drove all the way out to fucking Calgary, which is, oh man, it's probably about a 12 hour drive, I guess from here. And the guy, one guy didn't show up or the guy wanted to like get his money's worth with me or whatever. So I did my one match and then he's like, oh, the Canadian Patriot or something, some stupid gimmick. I forget what it was called, but uh, he, he didn't show up. Do you, can, can you do me a solid and just go out there and like, put this outfit on and this hood. No one will tell it's you. Of course, no one could tell it's me. Like everyone knew it was me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Can you, can you put this on? I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. He's like, yeah, like all you'll do is like charge it. The guy move. He'll roll you up. One, two, three. He hands me these tights and I'm putting them on. And and, and there's legit shit stains in the ass. Uh. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, and I guess it was like some well-known wrestler. I forget the name, like not WWE wrestler, but well-known indie guy that was wearing them before, supposedly. I don't know. But yeah, there's poop stains in the in the in the singlet, so that was kind of gross. But I put it on like a champ, got pinned, got paid. <laughs> it's not as bad as using the mic after Gigi Allen, but I it's close. <laughs> yeah, always bring your own mic. So you got you started a band after you started wrestling. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I started wrestling and then I trained in like 1999 and I wrestled till about 2003. And then I was just like, I was kind of over it, like just the local scene and shit like that. And I, you know, I, I me and some buds started dagger mouth and I just wanted to like start touring and stuff. So I kind of lost interest in wrestling for a little bit and did the did the band thing i mean were, were some of the things that appeal to you like with punk rock like uh, similar to what why you got into wrestling was there any kind of overlap there yeah like ever ever since as a kid like whether it was music or wrestling like my main thing was like i always wanted to just travel the world for as cheap as i could you know what i mean like you know i always like my dream from a wrestling standpoint was always to just go to Japan. Like if I could do one Japan tour, my life would be fulfilled, you know? And, and, you know, same with, same with music. Like, you know, I always wanted to tour Japan with music, but it was, uh, you know, like my goals were a little smaller. I was like, man, if I could like play Gilman street in the, in Berkeley, that'd be insane. <laughs> so, which I ended up doing a bunch, which was pretty rad. But, but you but didn't wrestle. You, you didn't Japan. wrestle there, though. No, you didn't I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why they don't. Fucking Gilman Street would be a great venue for wrestling. It, and yeah. the rules are very clear on the wall. I don't think wrestling applies. That'd yeah. be the most boring yeah. wrestling wrestling yeah. exhibition in history. It yeah. could be argued that the Jello fight was a wrestling match, although that didn't go very well. <laughs> No, so so you did make it to Japan. Did you, I know you made it. You made it to play. Did you did you wrestle there and play uh, on tour in in Japan? Yeah, one of my well, I went to Japan in two thousand and twelve or eleven or something. Tajiri, I don't know if you follow WWE or ECW, but there was a Japanese wrestler called Tij- Yoshihiro Tajiri, the Japanese buzzsaw, and he had a, Is he a sumo wrestler. No, he's a little tiny guy, but uh, yeah, he, hot dog guy, man, the hot dog eating guy. Kobe He's Yashi? a little bigger than that guy. <laughs> he hasn't won in a long time, though, Charlie. Good. Kobe <laughs> Chestnut won again. <laughs> Maspeth used to hold that crown. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. so, sorry. Our next mayor Japan. came in third one year. <laughs> hey, I'd vote for him. Good, good. Everybody out there, listen to them. Is that Andrew Yang? <laughs> no. He, Andrew Yang couldn't eat a 23 hot dogs. <laughs> no. He could probably invent an app that could do it for him. 
It's <laughs> a bunch of Yang gangs to do it for him. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, Kenny, go ahead. No, it's all good. And he and he finished fourth in the primary, not even third. Not yeah, even third. He, he, he thought he was going to win because he had no the most belt. followers. No medal. But, yeah, get fucked, Andrew Yang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did that show in Japan for Tajiri, and that was rad. But then uh, right before COVID, I actually was on a three-week tour. I got invited out to do a three-week tour of, like, Hokkaido, like the northern island of Japan. And that was crazy, because when you think of Japan, I don't know if you guys have ever been, like, you think of Tokyo and bright lights and, like, fucking just madness, whereas, like, the northern island is all countryside and all these small little towns, and there's not bright lights anywhere. It It was, like, you know, touring, like rural washington or something like that it was it was really crazy but it was a really awesome tour that i'm glad i got to go on because i got paid a lot of money and i got to see a lot of crazy weird sites that i'll probably never ever see again this might be uh, this may not be on point because you were wrestling but do you feel like the rural areas of japan people are less what you'd expect japanese people to be what do you mean giving you peace signs when they so we, we, we all we all know someone who's japanese who's from the countryside and she's very rude (laughs) <laughs> that's such a generalization no. i'm just saying no i'm just Not making sure people it, are giving peace signs when they take a picture i, I want to see if if it's like just her. i think it's just her though i don't think it's because she's from the countryside that's her excuse i don't know yeah, did, you know, did you know you notice the difference yeah I, I think it's just her that's the opposite of rude bill yeah, i'm just saying i think i think i think the person i'm talking about is this is the reason why she had to leave japan <laughs> Well, if you're rudeness, I can tell you, having moved from New York City to uh, to Kentucky, if you're rude in a smaller place, there's a heck of a lot more repercussions. You can be an asshole in New York City every day, and you'll just be around different people. If you're an asshole in a smaller town or a rural area, people are going to be on your shit real quick. Yeah, you'll they'll, they'll be like, they'll fucking talk about you on their little like Facebook community chats and shit like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, fucking, that fucking guy from New York, what a dad. <laughs> Oh, my neighbors hate me. They hated me before they even knew anything about me, though. So you were wrestling on on the mat before you got up on stage. Would you say that, you know, your wrestling performance influenced your stage presence? That's kind of the opposite of what we always talk about on this show. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, when I do play, for sure, I think a little bit of my, like, wrestling persona comes out for sure. I heard there was, like, a... A show you played, and it, there was like it said a really big no violence on the flyer. Does this ring a bell? Uh, a wrestling show or a no, no, like, a, like, no a, a, like a band show? A, a dagger mouth show. Okay. Oh man, I can't remember a lot of that stuff. Uh, I, well, it was, it was that- some, I, I, I heard at least once you like you palmed a razor blade with the oh, band. Oh yeah, I, I did. Oh yeah, one of our yeah when we first started, yeah we we're playing some like uh, church basement or something like that. And I wore like a like a white shirt and everything, and yeah, I gigged my head like half like halfway through the set and just <laughs> led like a stuck gig on stage. How did it go over? Uh, with parents, not too well. With uh, some of the kids, that was pretty sweet. It's How like many a- parents were at the show? <laughs> yeah, it was like a church basement or something like that. So. Uh- that's like I, I was in a band once and our guitarist smashed his guitar and there were like 10 people there. And someone came up to us afterwards and was like, why did he smash his guitar? There's no one here. Yeah. I, I was there. I was there. I just remember someone said like, 
I've seen people do that before, but not in front of nobody. Yeah. <laughs> usually they say, I've seen people do that before, but usually there's people here that look like a nice guitar, too. <laughs> hold on, hold on, though. I have a video of Billy from Guitar Wolf, and he was so drunk, he smashed his face backstage and didn't realize it. <laughs> before or after they played? After they played, he ran backstage and smashed his face backstage. In front of no one. <laughs> yeah. That might arguably be the most punk rock thing you could potentially do, though. Like, it's like... It like that that guitar died for no one's enjoyment, <laughs> and there was another broken bass in the van. And, uh, my, so recently he had done it before, and I don't know if he did it on stage or backstage. <laughs> no, I used to get just get really drunk and eat a bunch of cherry pies. I'm glad I didn't destroy instruments. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only time you like bloodied the stage. The music stage. Yeah, I think I think I learned my lesson after that. that was the first time. <laughs> I would have been into it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what's his name from Fucked Up. Damien does it too. Once, uh, or I used to do it too. He used to fucking blade his head while he played. That's awesome. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> so Japan is notorious or acclaimed. It wouldn't be notorious for their hospitality for touring bands. Is it the same with wrestlers? Did you get like the most amazing treatment ever? Oh, man. Did you get like a big dinner after they like closed the doors? Yeah, they they always have like these sponsor dinners. And uh, yeah, even on the, the last tour I went on because I got a whole bunch of tattoos and shit, right? And some of these small countryside places we'd stay in where it would have like hot springs to go in and stuff. But usually if you have tattoos, you're not allowed in there, but they would always make like, they would always tell me later, like, okay, business close at eight o'clock, but workers stick around till 10 o'clock. So you could have, you know, just you can go into the spa and stuff like that. So yeah, they was were really, really nice, nice there. And was everything. that like an organized I, crime thing? Yeah, it's a yeah, old Yakuza thing. Yeah, like even if I go into the gym in Japan, I have to wear like long sleeve shirt and everything. Is it for it's your just, own safety? No, I think it's just like so you don't maybe intimidate other people. It's it's an old tradition that's kind of going we away. Get that I here. think a little bit. Do what? Do, no. Here, everyone has tattoos. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't gotten it yet, Kenny. Charlie's just like the. It's like it's like your dad reading the, the paper at the breakfast. He's the heel. Yeah. No, Char- Charlie's the heel. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dave's the uh, the curtain puller, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the wrestling lingo that well. <laughs> curtain jerker. Curtain yeah, jerker. The, curtain yeah. jerker. Is that a thing? The jobber, or the over, or the face? Yeah, the baby face. Yeah, that's I, I like that job. Yeah, you get which, to sell the most which, merch. Which uh, I mean, which roles have you played out here? I'm mostly like a good guy. I'm mostly baby face out here, and but when I do like Korea or Japan, I'm always always a bad guy. So it's that's because uh, you have tattoos. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Tattoos, and they're not used to seeing someone like you. And yeah, they're even like, do in, you uh, want this guy using your pool? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you know if, if the PTA president went to, to Korea, they'd be a bad guy in wrestling from over here. Which PTA president? <laughs> well, the PTA presidents like have tattoos now. It's crazy. I thought you were a PTA president. I was never a PTA president. I was a renegade PTA president. <laughs> PTA renegade. <laughs> That's because I didn't have tattoos. You have to have tattoos to be in the PTA nowadays. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish they'd let like non-tattooed people or like kick the tattooed people out of the gyms, at least where I live. Cause then like the sweet tribal tattoo guys who s- fucking do one set and then sit on their cell phones. 
can fuck off and I can actually get my workout done in 30 minutes and go the fuck home. But then where are you going to find all those discarded tap out shirts that you can wear after? (laughs) Yeah. The sweet affliction shirts and the the rhinestone jeans. That's got to be a weird dual world to, to traverse because they, I mean, although I know a lot of punk people that like, wrestling there's not a lot of punk rock people that could be wrestlers so how does that work with both like you know how did you get you know were you always like into fitness were you like did you like get like did you hit puberty and get fucking jacked automatically like how did that work and like how does that play along with like the punk rock perception of like what an athlete is like or a, or a jock in that sense oh dude i hate going to the gym like <laughs> like I'm pretty, I'm pretty chubby right now while, uh, you know, like I'm 270 pounds right now. And, uh, you know, I'm not in the best shape that I've ever been in. Just, it's weird. I hate working out, but I'll do it when I'm wrestling because I know you got to do it. Like, like, don't get me wrong. The minute, uh, like, and, and, and don't listen to this if you have children or anything, but you know, the minute I was like 19 and moved and like go start in wrestling school, like, fuck, I think like two two months into wrestling school, I had like a needle in my ass full of juice. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, like when you're, you know, I was just like, when I'm wrestling, it's, I just give her like, you gotta, you know, I was like, I gotta get bigger. I gotta get bigger and all that. So, you know, but now that I'm doing a lot more of the music, you know, it's, you know, you go on tour to Europe and there's like free beer everywhere. And then you drink it all. And then they're like, Oh, you're out of beer. Here's more beer. It's like, Oh, this rules. So yeah. I, I, do you have more I, respect for people like Doyle from the misfits? And you're like, how do you stay? How do you stay fucking cut while you're like on tour all the time? Yeah. But they, they got like buses with fucking, you know, weights in them and stuff like that. And Doyle's probably also on the spike. Right. So let's not. <laughs> <I would> <laughs> It's not that it's not that monster protein powder that's too <laughs> No. But I should say all oh, like Andy Williams is in pretty good shape and every time I die it's always touring, right? So you know, and he managed to do it. Same with Brody King. So, you know, I I I think like now that I'm older too, like with, with Rest Easy, I know Jimmy's a big uh weightlifter guy too and stuff like that. So I could see like doing more gym shit on on tours now with this band once once we start touring as opposed to just like being with guys that just are like lazy and like i want to go to the ball so (laughs) (laughs) we also reached that age too where it's like if i had to tour now i'd do it like if you can get away with it i would do what like the older guys do where they're just like i'm not playing any shows monday through thursday like i'm gonna fly out and just do a long weekend then we're gonna go home or we're going to go do something else and then go for another weekend and and only play, you know, those shows, no more like, you know, Monday night shows in cities that no one's going to be at because you have to try and make 10 bucks to put some gas in your van tank. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, uh, I was, I was playing in this band punitive damage for, for a little bit. And they're like a bunch of punks from here. They're, they're really, really good kind of thrashy hardcore band. And, you know, it was, that's kind of what happened there. They were like, want to do this tour down the, down the west coast and i was like yo why don't we why don't we just like do the northwest on one weekend and then let's work our day jobs and then fly on friday let's pay like a 250 return plane ticket to la and back and let's just like do a weekend but 
you know, they wanted to road warrior it up. And I think one of their shows was in Redding, California under a bridge and shit. And I'm like, man, I just can't do that anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 honestly, we had this discussion the other day when, uh, our drummer was out from Edmonton. And so we were practicing all weekend. And like, I like, we were saying like, if there's, if there's a show that's like, and we show up to play and there's a poster that says like, pay what you can at the door. No one turned away. It's like, I think we're just going to load our gear up and leave ourselves. Like, <laughs> Do similar things happen with wrestling still? I mean, is, is, are you established enough so that you can avoid those kinds of situations? Yeah. Well, I'm just picky now. Like if I wrestle, you know, like you now, cause I don't want to do it a whole bunch anymore. And unless it's like a sweet tour of Japan or something. So, you know, usually locally I can convince some promoter from Vancouver, you know, they'll ask me a few times like, Oh, you want to wrestle? Like, Oh, please wrestle. Cause I'm a, I'm a pretty big, not to toot my own horn, but I'm a pretty big draw out here just from playing music and all that shit too. Right. So I bring a lot of people out. Yeah. Usually I just throw out some like, obscene dollar figure and you know once or twice a year someone bites on it and you know but that doesn't happen with the band or it happens more with the wrestling yeah i'm trying to get trying to get the economics because it sounds like it sounds like you're gonna lose less money on wrestling or or yeah right like in general yeah the thing regardless how picky you are about it (laughs) yeah and the thing about wrestling is like it's you know if you if you show up and you make you know, 75 bucks and, and you sell some shirts. Like that's kind of what I charge when I was like giving her a bunch, right? A local show, give me 75 bucks. I'll, I'll sell my merch. I'll walk out with a few hundred bucks, like, and do pretty good. But you know, when you're on tour and there's five dudes in a van or four dudes and it's like, Oh, here's 75 bucks. It's like, Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the wrestling's probably a bit more, you know, profitable that way than, than playing music, but music's also more funner. I'm going to stop the conversation for one second and tell you, if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help out with some gas money to get us the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com. Now let's get back to the show. Have you ever thought about charging teenagers $5,000 to learn how to That's one of my questions. (laughs) (laughs) Just go full circle and just and just be the guy that takes their money and be like, listen, by the way, you got to pay up front for this class. Also, yeah. er, also Herbalife. <laughs> yeah. Sell my, sell my vitamin shakes. Uh, I don't know. You've got most of it covered too. You could also like, you could do like music lessons and wrestling and be like, hedge your bets, you know, try them both. See which one sticks. There's no rock and wrestling school. You could corner the market. Yeah. Well, but- only pretended to play guitar. <laughs> they've had some dick manitobas listening go for it <laughs> he needs a gig <laughs> the hulkster knew how to play some bass though he, he he said he was almost the bass player of metallica once really yeah i would have watched some kind of monster if it was hulk hogan instead of bob rock that ended up on the cutting room floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you own the wrestling album i actually do yeah filed our uh <laughs> Yeah. It's just called the wrestling album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the, have you heard, uh, do you remember? I, that's the one with Slick on it, right? Slick, the doctor of style. I have to look this up now. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Junkyard Jim, Dog. Jim, Jim, yeah, that's Junkyard Dog. Jim Steinman and Rick Derringer were producing it or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I do have that one with uh, Real Jim American Jim Steinman produced that? You should have wrote the songs. <laughs> 
Yeah, here it is. I don't think we found that. <laughs> you have it in front of you. That's why we should have video, guys. I'm just saying right now. <laughs> yeah, don't go messing with a country boy. The the fucking Billy Jim song. Yeah, that one was good. It, it doesn't. It doesn't have a uh, a classy Freddie Blassie song though, or anything, right? I say we act out some dreams. No, it has "Grab Them Cakes," which was J- J- uh, Junkyard Dog song, I believe. What was Junkyard Dog song? Grab them Grab cakes. Them cakes. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so, so I actually, I, I imagine I, if Jim Steinman wrote all the songs for that, that would have been something. It would. It would have been a stretch vocally. <laughs> <laughs> no Bonnie Raitt in that crowd. <laughs> well, uh, Meatloaf could have been a wrestler. That's true. I think he could have. Yeah, he was a football player. Yeah, he was a hell of a block. <laughs> Did you play any sports in high school, Kenny? Did you play football or anything? Absolutely none. I was more into uh, like drama and and stuff like that. I was in some school plays and shit like that. So you really came at it from the creative side of wrestling and saying like this would be a great storytelling acting opportunity. Is that really like what attracted you to it? Yeah, I've always kind of been like a bit of a like a show off and shit like that. So that kind of the moment I knew I wanted to be a wrestler though was when I saw Mick Foley get tossed off the cage at the Hell in the Cell. I remember watching that in 1997, I believe, and I was just like, "I got to do that. I got to somehow like." The whole audience was like a gasp, and I was like, "Man, I got to do that one day." Then I got lit on fire in a match, and that was the fucking dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and, the crowd, and the crowd was a gasp, and my and my wife was very pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> did you lose your eyebrows fuck i got like a uh, second and some third degree burns on like 70 oh. percent of my body oh geez. oh my god wow yeah you should have been included in that documentary that's that's much worse than like foley's kids crying watching t- watching it on television yeah exactly this is the real wrestler yeah <laughs> third degree yeah. burns uh, yeah <laughs> eat your heart out mickey rourke <laughs> <laughs> I met Mick Foley a couple times because he was from Long Island and he was uh, uh, he wrote a bunch of books and I was working at Barnes and Noble and he would come sign them and everything and he was it was funny because he was definitely like um, the bass player in 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 Spinal Tap when he has the moment where he's like wearing the smoking jacket and has the pipe and he's like talking about literature like it was totally like it was really funny <laughs> his difference between like a mankind and like who he was pers- like who he is personally was hilarious. And, and like, that's the moment where I was like, Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Like that's a, that's a character. <laughs> Freddie Blassie was in front of me in line at CVS and he was a hundred percent Freddie Blassie all the time. He was buying a weekly world news. <laughs> <laughs> I thought when you got to that level, they gave you weekly world news. Well, no, but you know, someone was like, Hey, that's classy Freddie. Blassie. <laughs> he like where, literally where, lived where, around the corner. Where was this? Hartsdale, New York. Really? Um, I, I, what, what do you think about Nasty Savage? That's the only other rock and wrestling band I could think of. Never nah, listened who? to them. Nasty Savage from Tampa, Florida. I believe the singer was a wrestler. Oh, did they? Did they ever play Fest? I thought some like wrestler band played Fest or something like that. I've, I've never heard them. I'll have to check them out. Uh, I saw the wrestler band at Fest. I don't think he was in it. Actually, oh, I think okay. that was the same. I saw you wrestle at Fest, and I think the wrestler band played right after the wrestling i never wrestled that fast oh you didn't someone i thought you, i thought you were listed that you were wrestling then no i uh they they talked about it if like uh that tony guy was like oh do you want to just like come in the battle royal and i was like well i don't know like 
A, I'll miss the get up kids and B, uh, <laughs> and, and, and B, like, like I'm playing your festival. Like I'm the only guy that's playing the fucking like musically playing the festival and on like a decent slot. Right. Like, like, uh, you know, the, Before the, first, the get up kids. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we should take advantage of this. Like find a guy that find one of the wrestlers and have them walk out during dagger mouse set and fucking attack me or something like that. Like let's do, let's do something to build it up. So the next day, you know, there's a big match and people will be talking about it and stuff. And he was just and t- like, and oh, Tony was into uh, it. That sounds so much like Tony. Yeah. He's just like, <laughs> well, maybe uh, just, just, just do the battle Royal. And I was like, nah, how about I just watch get up kids? I feel like you should have attacked get up kids and they should have been scared. <laughs> and then you end up like singing Ann Arbor with them or something. You know, I feel like that would have been like a much better way to go, to go about doing that. <laughs> I'll beat them all up. Then grab the mic. Forgive me. <laughs> 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 I'm so upset that you told me this story now. I, just, I feel like these fest, that festival could be so much better if someone else ran it. And this is also the person that got me on Spirit Airlines, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Once and never again. <laughs> How do you transition into writing for wrestling? Because I feel like didn't Bob Mould from uh, Husker Du wrote for WCW for a while? And like, I'm wondering if that's like something that like, is there a different tract for wrestlers or can they become like the story writers as well? You know, obviously not at the indie level, but like when you get up into the, the mainstream wrestling category, like who's writing those stories? Who's handling all of that stuff? I mean, how do you get into that? It's it's hard. Like uh, right now, WWE, they mostly just find like TV, like writers and people like sitcom show writers. And that's why the fucking product is so bad right now. Right. Like, you know, it's like I, I did talk to Bob Mould when he played the venue I work at that I'm a bouncer at. And uh, yeah, he was just like, oh yeah, you didn't really explain how he got into it, but he's like, oh yeah, you like wrestling? And I kind of filled him in. He was super nice dude and everything about it. But yeah, I don't know how you'd come across. Like I even have like a couple buddies that work in WWE. I should get him to, all I keep doing is just like, yo, tell Triple H, like SummerSlam, fucking rest easy should be the music. So I can, <laughs> that's a good to idea too. Yeah. Like get in on all those entrance songs. Yeah. Because I don't know. Some of those entrance songs are like not that good. You know, I'm pretty sure I could like sit on GarageBand for an hour and come up with something sweeter. I've said that with baseball too. Like some of those batting songs are terrible. And there's like who, like, because jocks <laughs> don't know shit about music. So you've got to like find a way to like get in on that and be like, listen, I'm going to make you sound much cooler than you actually are. I'm gonna you sure it's that. not just Shea Stadium? I don't know. I mean, like, it's, I, mean, I am a Mets fan. So I mean, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of garbage. But I mean, like, I feel like. I mean, even like, you know, you go to Islanders games and stuff and they're still playing Cotton Eye Joe and you're like, why the fuck are you playing this song? Like, no one cares. like where is this coming from? Also, what does this have to do with hockey? But once a game, they'll play fucking uh, the Bouncing Souls, that Olay song, and people get stoked. The other thing that they're doing is maybe uh, the Ramones estate asked for too much money because they're like re-recording Blitzkrieg Bop. So like the Hey Ho, Let's Go is like a different no. uh, different recording. It's not the Ramones version anymore. <laughs> exactly. You heard, heard it. You person. heard it, right? Who told you that? Yeah, I heard it in person. They were using a different Hey Ho, Let's Go. And I was like, this isn't the Ramones. Oh, <laughs> you man. can't do that. I guess you can. I mean, that's how do you think karaoke gets away with it all the time? I mean, you're not really singing along to like this, this is still Bells. a Shay though, right? I'm never singing along to Hell's Bells. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> oh, hold on. So, so like, does being a wrestler also give you the skills to be a bouncer, or is there like a disadvantage to that? 
No, I think I think it helped me in my in my illustrious bouncing career. Like especially the all the amount of time I've like spent cutting promos on the microphone and stuff. Sometimes you have to cut like a good promo on a drunk guy to get him out of the bar. Like, <laughs> right now you're looking into the eyes of death. And then you cut your face and you're like, this is what you're <laughs> <doing."> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you, you get to see bands for free and some of your bouncing gigs too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I work in, uh, I'm head security at a venue in town called the Rickshaw, the Rickshaw Theater. And it's like a 700 cap room or something like that. So, yeah, I've, I've seen and met a lot of good music. Um, uh, yeah, like, you know, Bob Mould or, you know, some some bands I grew up loving, like Lagwagon, Face to Face, some of those, you know, some of my heroes I've seen go through there and stuff like that. And you meet them and uh billy joe armstrong a couple years ago when he had that uh other band the long shot you remember they put out that kind he's of- wrestling now <laughs> no, i wish probably wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. he needs to start promoting the gilman street wrestling there yeah. you go that would be great he couldn't even win that he could he could he could be that what's like what's i call that like you know the guy who's in the audience and suddenly starts getting thrown around the room <laughs> The plant? Yeah, the, the, yeah, plant. the plant. He could be a plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, someone's just going to be like, he's not allowed in here. Has that ever happened? Like, you know, like some wrestler just like had somebody in the audience they wanted to throw around like Billy Joe Armstrong and they just like went off script and went in the audience and just like throwing somebody around. <laughs> yeah, what kind of waiver does this crowd sign? Yeah, what kind of stories you have with that where people went off script like this like that so there's there's this local uh, there was this local wrestler and he wasn't too good from here and uh he'll never hear this so his name was wrath child and uh he's like fucking six foot eight and he's like a big garbage wrestler you know what i mean like a guy that like the only thing he can do is bleed and anyways <laughs> there was a there was a show where uh you know he cuts his fucking forehead open and someone yelled something from the crowd and he's like Starts going in the crowd after him, and like his blood's dripping on like like ten year old children and shit. And par- parents are freaking out. So he went after the heckler. Yeah, but of course he ended up just looking like an idiot. I saw a dwarf show like that once when they were signed to Epitaph. It sounds very similar. Oh, a lot of ten year olds got bled on that day. Oh man, the dwarfs. I saw, I, I Did you I saw see like. With like a Dick Army, when the audience heckled him so much, he just walked off the stage and left the club. <laughs> Anybody ever do that wrestling? Yeah, uh, everyone get heckled. A wrestler getting heckled off the stage in tears. <laughs> I've seen guys like, like, like think that they're awesome, and then go out there and like people boo them and shit like that, and just like that them leave like i'm supposed to be the good guy like super bitter and angry like some guy yeah i saw black dahlia uh announce a wrestling match did you that would actually be awesome That'd be it fun. was great he was really good at it <laughs> yet all the dwarves albums they get different famous and now they get like the guy from space ghost on one of them what does that have to do with wrestling he's an announcer like they had like the voiceover from from the from the oh, saturday okay. morning cartoon yeah yeah, the guy who did the original Space Ghost. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. To do the announcing on the Forbes record. <laughs> Not the Funky Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> so as a bouncer, did you ever stand in the middle of the stage during a two-camera shoot of a band and beat some kid's face in? No, I'm the good bouncer. Okay, like, so uh, that, so we only had one guest that, have done, that has done that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you're the good bouncer. So like you've already like made friends with the crowd. Try like as I work the door, I'm I'm generally like I've only had to beat the brakes off a couple people, but I, you know, I'm generally like the thing about bouncing, which like some people might not want to hear this, but you're a fucking host. You know, you're like, you're no different than the host at Applebee's or some shit. You know what I mean? Like people walk in, they want to be greeted. They want to see a smile. And then generally, if you're, if you're, if you start the day off, like how many venues have you gone to and you pay your money and you're stoked to see a show and the, and the security guards just a fucking dickhead. The bouncers is like a little dickhead at the front door. It kind of starts. It sounds like studio 54. (laughs) Yeah. It starts your night off like super bummer. Right. So, you know, I'm all about, you know, you try to. If you're positive vibe at the door, people will be positive inside. And then if there is the one dickhead that you have to beat up, you have a room full of people going, oh, man, that guy was so nice. I don't know. That guy must have really deserved that beating. So, you know. It's- oh, so you're winning him over. That's the drama part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's the theater kid coming out. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I established that I'm the good guy here. Exactly. <laughs> Charlie and I were handing out flyers. And this wasn't that long ago in front of like a municipal waste show. And the bouncer was like, he screamed at us and took a, took my flyers away. And what? then Yeah, and then someone from the crowd stabbed him. <laughs> Holy fuck. So you didn't come to the show? Welcome to New York. No, no, I'm saying after after I found out, like oh, it's like, oh, that guy got stabbed. I'm like, good. He got stabbed because he took your flyers away? No, he got stabbed because he's being a dick to everybody. <laughs> it had nothing to do with our flyers. I just was like, that guy sucks. Uh Jimmy Jimmy G when he was running the door at CV's that time that he stopped me and Jesse from getting stabbed. So that's a pretty good uh door guy bouncer. Yeah, story. no, I th- I'd say most most bouncers are all right. Yeah, we yeah. try to be. <laughs> no, but nobody's as good as Big Charlie. Nobody's as good as Big Charlie, that's for sure. Um, so, so at one point, you thought about moving to St. Louis for wrestling. Is that right? I was kind of tossing it around a little bit. My buddy Kyle was living out there for uh, for uh, wrestling, and he he's now in WWE and stuff. So, I don't like. At one point, I, I was doing some tryout matches for Ring of Honor, who's like not the biggest company, but they're not the smallest company out there, and. A lot of these companies, the thing is living in like Western Canada, it's the worst place you can live to be a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like if you live on the East Coast, you get a plane ticket so easy and blah, blah, blah. But out here at plane, you know, to fly me to the to the East Coast, it'd be like six, seven hundred bucks. Right. Like the plane fare is expensive. So when they were kind of talking to me about maybe joining the roster, doing more stuff, but could I move out to the East Coast or something like that? And I was like, I was kind of tossing me uh idea around then i found out what like the first level guys make and i was like man i can't get my wife to quit her job for that so i mean it's it sounds like it's really hard to get um to like wwe and even if you get there the chances of you surviving are also fairly slim is that still people die in the ring no i'm just talking about like financially it's and, like signing you know, to a major label in like yeah. the 90s yeah right like my other buddies from here they just uh they were doing like the Bollywood boys gimmick in WWE and they, they did that here for fucking 12 years or 14 years. And yeah, and they had a bit of a run there, but yeah, now they're released and I don't know what they're going to do. They have houses out in Florida and shit like that. And I don't know if they're going to have to sell them and just move back to Vancouver or are they accepted back if they want to get back into the indie scene? Are they like accepted back into that wrestling scene or is it kind of sell out? tag for people that go to wwe as well or is there a punk rock kind of version of that where it's like fuck those guys or is it kind of like everyone's happy for them i think everyone's happy for them i I think like 15 years ago or 12 years ago there would have been like that whole sellout kind of thing but you know it's kind of the same as the punk scene right like you know 
nowadays if Jawbreaker was a brand new band and signed to Geffen and put Dear You out, no one would give a fuck, right? But they'd just be like, oh, this album's amazing. But, you know, it's the same as wrestling. Like, you know, if someone gets signed to WWE, I think most people are like, that's awesome. They're from here and we knew them before they were huge. So it's more like it's more like a comedian getting on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, totally. Okay. And even though that may not be, I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of comedians that are probably like, you know, that's not their ultimate goal. They're not going to do their best work on Saturday Night Live. It's probably the same with WWE where like it's like you lose a lot of the freedom to do, you know, they're going to they're going to dull your edges on what you can do as a wrestler. Right. But it's just the, the exposure and the money that you just can't really turn down. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think that's all anyone wants from when they get into wrestling is the ability to just one day, make it a full-time job, you know? So I had a question about Canada day. What is Canada day? It's like the 4th of July, but on July 1st. And, and what battle was fought for Canada day? They went into a conference. <laughs> like, like you should have fireworks to represent something? Uh, we do fireworks, but not like super crazy America style. And I don't even know if we even did much fireworks this year because uh, they've, they, I don't know if you guys heard, like Canada Day this year has kind of been canceled. Like, don't get me wrong, it's still a holiday for everyone from work and you, you, you don't have to work and you still get paid for it and shit like that. But uh, they've been digging up recently a bunch of like the residential school children all across Canada. Like, So instead of lying fireworks, you're burning churches? <laughs> That's not what he said. <laughs> they, fuck, there's churches had, being burnt like crazy had, here right now. We had now. a ton, ton of fireworks here on my block. We had so many fireworks, it was incredible. But, but we don't celebrate Canada Day. I think instead of lighting <laughs> fireworks, we're burning churches. Instead of lighting fireworks, we're burning churches. Sounds like that should be the rest easy LP title. I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> I think we topped John Gotti this year. <laughs> and and Masvidal. Yeah, man, we had so many fireworks. Man, I can't imagine Gotti had more. It was like three sixty too. You know, you stood in the street like it was all around. That's exciting. Yeah. And it went on so long. It was like, oh, I had enough. Let's go back and get some meat, you know. Our fireworks is like Halloween. That's our fireworks. Yeah, we do don't... you have fireworks on Halloween? Yeah. Really? That's like how does, major that, how, how does that work? Uh, all these little stores pop up everywhere and, and you just buy your little fireworks and you just start blowing them off in the streets it's it's, it's not as much fun tweeters no <laughs> you could that could be the trick yeah i don't How could even answer the canada day question like a wrestler you, you know, don't have it like every canada? other canadian is like yeah it's not that big of a deal <laughs> <laughs> it should be like damn you american <laughs> you wanted to don't, don't criticize our holidays <laughs> you wanted to go all iron chic on you is that what you were looking for Bill? yeah that's what i was looking for <laughs> Do you have trick-or-treaters in Canada? Yeah, but not in Vancouver. It's too expensive to live. For <laughs> so you can't afford candy? Can't afford candy, can't afford kids. So I don't oh, think there's, there's any no kids, kids. In, my, in my apartment building, no. No kids. Can you pick an apple off the green roof? <laughs> I th- hide the razor blade in there. <laughs> yeah. You could put on a show. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what you got going on from a music standpoint now. I know um, you've done some stuff with Rest Easy. How hard has that been doing all of that stuff with COVID going on? It's kind of sucked, but it, it didn't. It's just a bummer because we haven't been able to play a show yet. And we put that seven inch out and now we're about to record an album. But uh, with the drummer living in Edmonton, me and him just wrote most of the shit over GarageBand anyways. So it, it COVID didn't really affect it too much. It just kind of slowed down 
our our show playing ability, which is hopefully going to end soon. Hopefully, we can see a show soon. Is everybody is everybody in the same place, or are you guys spread out? Uh, the three three of us are in like Vancouver. Dana actually lives like four blocks away from me, and uh, Dylan lives out in the suburbs. But yeah, Jimmy lives. He just moved. He was in Edmonton. Now he's living in this like shithole of a town called Fort McMurray, where it's all oil workers and shit like that. Ooh, sounds yeah. like fun. Is, is, he is, he an oil oil yeah, is he an oil worker? <laughs> no, he's not an oil worker at all. But his wife, uh, she's not an oil worker, but <laughs> she she works for one of the big major companies up there in the office. So oil adjacent, yeah. So she makes like really good money, and Jimmy's a personal trainer and, and a bouncer also. But with COVID hitting pretty hard, no bars for a year and a half, and you know a lot of the gyms were closed and everything. So. He's yeah, they just he's lucky to have a wife, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, lucky to have a wife and not so lucky to live in Fort McMurray, but <laughs> cleaning the kitchen a lot. <laughs> yeah. I heard you were looking into living abroad yourself. Like we just talked to Pete Manchetti and he kinda like found a found a way to 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 skirt the system by living in other countries. My wife's mom was born in Portugal. So a couple, probably about two years ago, she, she went and threw all the steps and got her citizenship for Portugal. And yeah, we're just kind of in the process right now of trying to figure out how to get a mortgage over there. But holy fuck, you, you send an email and then the person sends you something back in English. And then the next email is all in Portuguese. And it's like, yo, I don't speak this language. Please, can you send it back in English? It's a lot of back and forth, back and forth. And well, all the emails I get from Nigeria are in English. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get the same ones from the prince? Yeah. 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 Oil he should be a wrestling character. Prince. I feel like that would be great. Yeah, the, the, the spam Nigerian prince. <laughs> I needed your help and you failed me and now you must die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I had a million dollars for you and no one answered. <laughs> it's all gone now. Yeah. Also, also I, have, I have a wrestling he can school. You go on the stage throwing out money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. get one of those, I saw Snoop Dogg and he idea. had one of those guns that shoots out money. It was the greatest show I've ever seen in my life because it money? had nothing to do with music. He had a gun that shot out money and he had... Did you catch the money? No, I wasn't. The fucked up part is like you're giving the money to the people in the front row that already paid a fortune for their tickets. I'm up in the back, you know, like that's the people that need the money. You need like a t-shirt cannon yeah, that's that what has I thought. money wrapped in it. It wasn't a t-shirt cow. I thought it was a... I thought that's, that's what I imagined. No, no it's it like just a, kind of sprayed it out. Oh, that's like, like a pop gun, yeah. pop gun money. <laughs> I thought it was shooting out the freaking I know, money. I imagine like it going into the rafters. Yeah, the upper deck. Get to the upper deck sometimes. Yeah. And then in the middle, he just covered a bunch of other rappers songs, which was really weird because it had nothing to do with any of his music. He even covered a Biggie song. And I was like, isn't that like one of the problems that we had back <laughs> a few years ago? Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. It was just very much like it was, it was like, uh, I would, I would definitely go on that cruise though. If there was a Snoop Dogg cruise, that would be awesome. I would totally go. I don't think they'd let you. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally be able to go. That was the most I've never seen a more varied representation of every type of person from ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, like everything. I mean, I it was it was the most it was the most like accepting show environment I think I've ever and, seen. And he didn't bother to put on a good show. <laughs> no, he didn't even give a shit. I mean, like it should like I like I don't know. I mean, I feel like he could play a Gilman. I'd say Snoop with Gilman. Snoop at Gilman. <laughs> Fuck. I saw, I saw I saw Bushwick but, Bill right after Punk Show. Any ABC No Rio? No, but you know, like the Texas equivalent. 
my parents saw Pitbull a few years ago in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Did they know what they were getting into? Or were they like, we yeah, got tickets like, to this Pitbull guy? <laughs> yeah, they were living in Vegas for a couple of years. They bought a place there. And uh, yeah, they, they, they were like, oh, we're going to go see Pitbull. I, get, I, I don't know. Was he a host on a reality show or something? That's the only yeah, way my mom so. would have known him. So yeah. <laughs> He's probably on Ellen or something, you know, one of those things. Oh, she loves those like, so you think you could dance type shows or shit like that. So he was probably on one of those. But yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh, have fun at Pitbull. Now imagine your parents going, we're going to see Nasty Savage. You ever hear of them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, so what's what's traditional floor shit? I have really weird questions, and I don't know what they mean. Oh, man. So, oh, you talked to Dana. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, when Daggermouth a couple of years ago was touring Japan, I, I fucking had this. Uh, we played Osaka, and then the promoter was checking us into, like, a very traditional hotel, like, you know, with, like, kind of the paper walls and everything. And I had to go to the bathroom really, really, really bad. And it was dark. I couldn't figure out the lights and I saw a hole and I kind of, they had like a kind of like a potty, like a child potty thing for like Westerners <laughs> to sit on. But I guess it like moved when I sat on it because I'm a big giant man. And I ended up shitting all over the floor of the bathroom and it just stunk really, really fucking bad. But Danda on the drummer at Daggermouth, like we were all dying, like laughing and people were like, oh, what the fuck is that smell? And Dandon's a nurse and like, real life and so he just went into nurse mode and he was just like well kenny that's gross i wish you paid more attention but <laughs> and he's, he started cleaning it up and i was like what the fuck but yeah like a canadian nurse give that yeah so yeah he started Wait, did, did you wipe your ass with the wall <laughs> no they had like some toilet paper there like did some of the like... guys spandex someone's got the yeah. wear next time <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of justice, there, reverse justice. There. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any wrestlers who like became fans of your band? Uh, yeah, Eric Young, who was in WWE for a while, he's in the Impact right now. He he likes us. I know uh, Dalton Castle's a fan and Kyle O'Reilly and stuff like that. So yeah, it's always cool when uh, you know wrestlers that you like and stuff are like oh your band's awesome you know it was always that was always the best thing man when you're like traveling wrestling and you show up to a venue and you see a guy in or like a rancid shirt or an against me shirt or something it's like okay that guy i could like fucking talk to all night as opposed to like you know the guy sitting down fucking chewing tobacco and shit like that it's <laughs> like okay i'm gonna there's one of me here i'm gonna sit and talk with that guy so yeah it's always nice finding dudes in wrestling that like good music so when, when you're doing the green roofs like are they always roofs that you could like walk around on or sometimes it's just like full like grass and things like on a roof like a regular roof they're, they're always usually like flat roofs and then we come up and we you know we usually fucking put about six inches of dirt and then we put our grasses on it and stuff like that and stuff so you like some people have them set up like above offices so you you know you could have like a table out there so people have lunch and smoke breaks and shit out there where it's nice as opposed to having to go all the way down to the you know 30 floors down and out onto the street and stuff like that so yeah you just so it's not like it's not like that dangerous you're not doing like an a-frame no yeah you never anything. really do them on a-frames and stuff like that yeah it's always flat roofs did you ever have a roof collapse fuck no thank god that'd be scary <laughs> Yeah, what's, so what's, I feel like I have what's to ask the, you the, what's the building inspectors like out there? <laughs> oh, I'm man, sure they suck. 
Yeah, super strict. I feel like super I've got to ask you the same question that I, a similar question to what I asked Ari Katz when we were talking about like his designs for lobbies and stuff. Do you ever work on a project and just while you're doing it, just be like, this is fucking stupid. Like this looks ridiculous. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like you do them and like sometimes the buildings will be like in order to get occupancy sometimes or to the next level of money released from the banks, you know, you have to finish a step. And sometimes that step is to have the roof finished. So they'll, they'll be like, Oh, you gotta hurry up. You gotta do the green roof. You gotta finish the roof. And so you go up there, you, you finish the roof and then, and then you, you go back up to inspect it like a week or two later, just check the irrigation, make sure everything's running smoothly. And it's like, Oh, they've landed literally like pallets upon pallets of like drywall and everything else on the roof. And three weeks later it's like destroyed so (laughs) everything's dead yeah so then you got to go back and like put more soil and spread some cuttings and do more planting at the end and stuff that happens quite often with like the huge high resident uh, like the high big high towers and stuff like that so so th- they get they get like a, a discount or something for having it. Is it, is it kind of like getting a hybrid car or something like in U.S. or? Yeah, you you can get a, a grant like in Toronto, I believe you can get some sort of, of money back for it. But basically what they do in Vancouver is they'll submit their plans for like a 32 story tower. And then the, the, the city will be like, oh, you could only have 30, 30 stories, but if you put a green roof or X amount of greenery on, on in this building, whether it's a wall or, you know, sometimes I'll have to do like two walls and then a roof, but that'll give them, then they'll be, then they'll be able to build another story or two on this building, which, you know, you sell a, that's, that's down, money right there. Yeah. Downtown you could sell literally in Vancouver right now, brand new. 450 square foot bachelor apartments are going for almost a million dollars. Right. So, you know, think, you know, you have eight, you know, if you have two extra stories, that's probably roughly about $15 million. You can make extra for just having a green roof. Right. Is that, is there like special certifications you need to do green roofs like, or could any like landscaper do it? That's the thing. There's not really, uh, I don't have the ticket for it, but my bosses do. It's called like a GRP, like a green roof professional. But it's not like um, it's not the same as it's not because green roofing so new. So it's not essentially like having your red seal and electricity or something like that. But, yeah, it's a problem. I'm fine is a lot of landscapers are just like, oh, it's easy, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll they'll put something up with like some weird system or, you know, and then usually we get called to go back and dig it all up and fix it. That's, so. a, that's a whole business opportunity for you people screwing up the green roofs right yeah exactly so yeah we're often called back to fix someone else's mistake which usually happens because you know they'll hire some landscaper and a year later they're out of business anyways so yeah we got to come back and fix it does joey shithead ever show up at your green roofs for photo ops no but uh we did dagger mouse played a few shows with doa back in the day and he was pretty nice like i remember we played whistler and they gave us their extra hotel rooms and stuff because they all had to get back to their families so they're like here have the hotels and have our beer 
So that was kind of cool. I feel like that would be an awesome. You should you should reach out to him and be like, hey, listen, like I know you're all about because it wasn't that the platform he ran on was like uh, all about like the environment and beautifying Vancouver and all that. So I think you know maybe there's an opportunity get a good uh, get a good photo op. I would love to have me and Joey Shithead up there. I kind of look like Joey Shithead a little bit too. People say we both have big noses, kind of. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun to get him up on a roof. He's in uh, he's in Burnaby, which is kind of the next next city over from vancouver but oh, okay. yeah he, he he ran on uh for the green party and then he never won under the green party so he switched parties i think he's like uh ndp now or something like that but yeah he switched parties and then he finally won you can just make a green roof party they should there should be a green roof party and i will be the i'll be the very, prime minister of very it. specific <laughs> agenda yeah so so uh i mean what as far as your wrestling, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're full speed with music no matter what. But as far as wrestling, is it it's kind of like funny or money, like as far as how much you're going to do it? Yeah, my buddy's running a show in August that I was I agreed to do pre-COVID and stuff like that. And now he's like, oh, are you still good? And I'm like, fuck no. I've spent two years like <laughs> sitting on a fucking couch the time I changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, so I had to I had to turn that down. But uh, I don't know. You never say never. I'm really hoping once this COVID shit's all done that I can go back over for that company in Japan and do that. That, you know. I'd love to do it if it involves like hopping on a plane and making, you know, some okay money with it and stuff, but no third degree burns. <laughs> no, no more burns. Although, uh, I'll still do the odd thumbtack death match, but thumbtacks are a lot easier than <laughs> fucking fire. That's it, kids. The gig is up. The cops are here and your mom is calling jails, hospitals, and all your friends' houses wondering where you've been. Tune in next week for another fascinating, mesmerizing, and absolutely unmissable episode. And be sure to get on the list and follow the boys on social media at Killed by Desk. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon. And if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help us out with some gas money and to get us to the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com.